Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard Podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. If you've been in the hobby for more than a day, then you know how fast the sports card market moves. There are no more options than ever to buy, sell, and research your cards. One of the most frustrating hurdles in the hobby is the fees when selling your cards. You know, those other popular marketplaces, the ones with their average seller transaction fee of 10%, the ones that don't have the seller's interest in mind. Wait, what? Who would do that? Well, hold on to your horses. No, not those horses. Welcome to The Card Flip, a place where we want to provide a simple alternative to buying and selling cards. No clutter, just you, graded cards, sealed wax, and the easiest of transactions. So what do you say? Are you in? Great! Welcome to The Card Flip, the seller's marketplace. Yo and hello everybody. This is Mike Moynihan. I'm the host this week and every week of uh, what is this show called? Golden Age of Cardboard Podcast. Just kidding. Well, kind of not kidding. I kind of forgot in the moment. Uh, you never know. I've got so many things going on. How do you keep track of it all? But man, I am uh, getting really stoked. The National is coming soon. And I'm just, I, I can't tell you, I just get jazzed. I get excited. It's just so much fun. And, you know, there's a Dallas card show between now and then, you know, I think my son and I are going to like a a show over in Dallas where the Dallas card show is, but it's more like comics and Pokemon and they'll have sports cards and I don't know, all kinds of stuff. Not really a comic con. It's like a Texas collector convention or something. I don't know, but my son wants to go to it. So I'm taking him that's next weekend. So there's just tons. I say this weekend, I should say by the time you hear this and uh, yeah, just lots going on. And yeah, we got Hobby Palooza coming up too in the next couple of weeks. That's on uh, July 10th and 11th. And this guy is going to be a part of it. My guest tonight is going to be a part of it. I'll just bring him on now. We're going to talk vintage tonight. We're going to talk all kinds of stuff. And that's John Newman from Sports Card Nation. The hobby is the people. What's up, John? What's up, my hey? I don't feel bad. You forgot your name of your own show. I, on my show, I called your show. Uh, the golden age of vintage rather than cardboard. <laughs> so at least I, at least I just messed up one word and not the not the whole. The, the whole thing. I feel a little bit bad because you you pointed it out. Hey, my, you know the name of the show is golden age of cardboard. You you mentioned vi- you said vintage and and I I actually did feel bad because I like to say things whether whether it's someone's name to pronounce it right or obviously someone poor are hard work in the show the least i could do is is get the name right and uh i screwed up the one word which it you know i mean in my in my credit i mean it is vintage uh, based show so i i had the right idea but you uh did. you forgot the whole thing so i, I now i feel a little bit better i can sleep <laughs> a little bit better 
at night now that uh, you did that. So, but well, happy to be here, Mike. So awesome. Yeah. I'm glad to have you because I was on your show and I appreciate you having me on your show. And it, it's always fun yeah. to reciprocate that. And cause you know, you have an audience, I have an audience. Sometimes they cross over probably a lot of times yep. they cross over. Sometimes they don't. And hopefully people don't. watching this will find sports card nation as a podcast and maybe want to go start checking that out. We can all help each other in this crazy thing called content creation. Uh, I think that's hugely important and just awesome. And, uh, Hey, we both got to be on Dr. Beckett's show with our dads and our, how yeah, cool like that? Yeah. Yeah. Consecutive days too. Uh, I That's actually, right. the one actually the what he did sort of a, a part B with us. And, and then you and your dad on the same day, which was cool, by the way, uh, it was awesome. I listened to that, that whole week, uh, of father and sons and, uh, uh, did a great job. It was a great, a great idea to do that week. And, uh, you know, you, you, you learn, you know, what sort of inspired us and who, who kind of came before us and, uh, why we are maybe a little bit of, of who we are. And, uh, I think that came out. I'm sure that was the, the point of it. And, uh, you know, like for your dad, I don't know if you heard my dad who he, he's probably going to start his own, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, but it sounds <laughs> like he might want to start his own podcast, but you know, for guys like that and, and, you know, to, to talk about things they love and memories they have and, and with your dad with, with tools and planes and, and planes, meaning the, the tool, the plane, um, you know, uh, and for my dad to talk about growing up in Brooklyn and the Dodgers and Ebbets Field and Joe DiMaggio, even though he wasn't a Yankee fan, uh, he was a, a Joe DiMaggio fan and, and sort of emulated him. You know, you could see, and I'm sure with your dad, you could see sort of that spark, you know, that 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 enthusiasm kind of light up again. And he, whether it's for 10 or 15 minutes. And, I mean, that whole day, I spent that day with my dad. Like, he was on – on cloud nine and you know at 83 years old that was fun to see we had just you know the week or two before that was was not a good uh time for our family with with the loss of my stepbrother and we kind of like i told dr beck at the timing of this just seemed to work out great and uh really sort of made his day and, and my son had fun he was on there uh, as well. And, uh, I'll, as always, I, I, I talked to Dr. Beckett, you know, probably, uh, you know, whether it's via email or, or other conversation, but it's still always, uh, I enjoyed seeing my dad and, and even my son Jordan sort of interact uh, on that level. Uh, you know, I got more enjoyment from, from that and uh, hearing him, you know, make fun of me too. It is, uh, was always fun too, but uh, it, it was, it was great. It was well done. And, and I enjoyed uh, hearing you and your dad talk about, you know, your history, not, a, not, a, not just hobby, but obviously as, it's just that father-son relationship and lessons and life lessons. And, uh, you know, uh, it's important. That stuff's uh, very important. For sure. So happy belated Father's Day to everybody out there. Um, <clears throat> by the time this airs, it'll be a week or two past. But, um, you know, you were the, you, had the, you went to the Dallas Card Show, the last one back in, uh, was it May? Late May? Yeah, May 22nd. And- just so uh, time's flying. Uh, we're almost to the national, but that was your first time to come to the Dallas show. And, you know, you also got to come over here to my house and I was awesome. It was awesome to have you here and 
you know, you, I hope, you know, you were, you and Brad were here two hours, two and a half hours, maybe. And yeah. you know, you barely scratched the surface, right? You yeah, no, I, I knew that. And, and, you know, number one, first off, I know I thanked you already, but I can't thank you enough uh, for, for opening up your home, uh, letting us see just some of that, that history. I mean, those are pieces of history. I don't care what anyone says, if you, what, whether you like cards or you don't like cards, uh, you know, to, to see and touch and look through. And like you said, uh, that was even just uh, just uh, the tip of the, the, the iceberg, so to speak. And uh, I, I, but you know, I was on fumes, but it woke me up, gave me, it gave me a little second wind. And then uh, it was the last thing I did, quite frankly, before we really, I got on the plane uh, to head back to New York. And it, it was one of, uh, probably one of, if not the highlight of, of the whole trip, it was right there. You know, I hate to single one thing out, but I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. Uh, right there at the top of, of that weekend and, and things I saw and did. And uh, again, thank you. And, and, and being there, something I had already sort of kind of an idea that I was already sort of tinkering around in my head. It was, it was, you know, that trip to your house and your card room that really, you know, pushed me over the, the edge, if you will, in a good sort of way to do uh, a new thing. You know, one, one of the things, Mike and, and you know, and the Dallas show was great. I, this isn't me picking on the Dallas show, but and I've always have vintage. I have some vintage stuff, nothing along the lines that that you do, and I appreciate vintage. But you know, and walking that Dallas show and just seeing all that new stuff, kind of, and and it just seemed to kind of be a blur. And I still appreciate it. I'm not knocking it, but it really it was something I was thinking about was just you know pivoting more especially on the PC side of, of what I do, which is I don't PC a lot. I want to sort of PC a little bit more. And if I'm going to do it, I kind of knew in my mind it was going to be uh, probably more on the vintage side than, than anything else. And so between just kind of walking that show floor and just seeing a lot of shiny new sort of a lot of places where it just – it, it, you know, it just seems like it's the same stuff and, and different spots. And then, uh, you know, kind of wrapping up the trip, uh, visiting your card room and, and appreciating that stuff you don't see at every table. Let's just put it that way. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a nice way of putting it. Um, I said, man, you know, I want to do I want to do something more like that. You know, you, you, you know, Ronald Lacuna is great. And but you know you show a PSA ten update and there's you know what ten thousand of them let's say or you know I I don't have it in front of me but there's no shortage of them let's just say that but when you have you know uh, the stuff you have you know Hall of Famers uh, vintage cards uh, in you know just seeing them in general uh, is nice but to see them. Uh, in, in some of the conditions and, and graded uh, forms that you have them, it just inspired me to like, hey, I'm, I want to do something different. I don't PC enough, uh, and and what are you going to do, John? And so what I decided to do is sort of take a page from your book, but I know I can't replicate <laughs> what you're doing, but, uh, you know, what I'm going to try to do is and, and no timetable, no sort of I have to have this many, but just have fun with it. It's just uh, get the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, players, uh, rookies in graded card form, you know, in the best, in the best can, you know, great. You know, someone asked me, like, you know, what grade? Just I don't really have a, 
a set rule, just in the best uh, grade I can uh, with w- what the, the budget uh, allows. And uh, speaking of budget, I heard your budget show and uh, very well done. So, and I actually have one. I had one planned before I heard yours. And so in mine, I recorded already. I haven't released it, but uh, you, I'll, I give props to you, uh, you know, Thanks. For, for doing it too. So it is funny how we all kind of, people think they can come up with a new, a new idea and we, it's hard <laughs> to, it's genuinely hard to, but you can put your own spin on it. You can yeah. take an idea that's been done and you can say, look, this is, you know, there's been some videos done about X, Y, Z. Uh, I want to give my spin on it. But when you're, you were saying about the inspiration and I've been inspired by all kinds of people I've seen on YouTube or things I've listened to or having conversations with other collectors. I always am sparked by inspiration to, to go in different directions and start different projects. And I actually love that. I, I don't, if I had to come up with everything myself, that would be kind of boring. And to that end, you being here, getting to see what you wanted to see, you know, got to see and kind of pushing, like you said, over the edge of, of starting that type of thing. There's probably a lot of people out there. And this is kind of the theme of the show that I really want to kind of run with for a little bit here. And then we'll talk about some other fun stuff. I'm just going to call this episode a conversation with John, you know, so it's <laughs> going to be, but but the theme you and I had talked about this was okay. Hey Mike, thanks for having me over. You've got me kind of go. We've had this conversation kind of back and forth through messages and talking and whatnot. And it got me thinking there's a lot of people out there probably wanting to start collecting vintage and whether you've been in the hobby a long time or you're just getting back into the hobby or you've never been in the hobby and you're just starting in the hobby and vintage for a lot of people seems intimidating. I think, and it's scary because you're spending, well, you can spend lots of money on new cards too, right? I mean, it's yeah. so, but there is, you know, the money aspect of it, the, the, wow, I'm putting all this money into this. I, I hope I'm not getting duped or, you know, goofed on. My phone is blowing up for some reason. And all right. So uh, where I'm going with that is, maybe we can talk about some, okay. I, like both of us have been in the hobby a long time, Yeah. but what are some things people can think about? What are some things people can look for if they're wanting to, you know, kind of start diving or even just dribbling into the vintage world? Cause it's a scary world. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. You make a great point, Mike. For me, it's not scary, but I have 30-something years in the hobby. I, I had a store. I sold vintage. But for someone who might not have, and I, and I hate the way this is going to come out, maybe that background or pedigree, if you will, it can probably be daunting, right? You know, like they're, they're seeing all these news reports of, you know, Mantle $5.2 million and, and this vintage car $3 million. And so probably right off the bat, they're like, I'm not even going to be able to do this. And so that's the first obstacle obstacle is like to, to realize that, that, you know, that person needs to realize those, those are, you know, high grade rare cards that are bringing that, that kind of money that you, there's plenty other stuff that's in your wheelhouse that you can afford. And so the first obstacle is to, to realize that, you know, that's not all, that doesn't speak for all vintage. It's just 
sort of the 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 Mount Upper Everest. Echelon. Yeah. Yeah. And and so and then once you realize that, you know, then, then you have a, a lot of directions you can go. You know, I like graded cards, you like graded cards, but you can buy vintage raw. And 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 then you could always turn the cards you purchase raw. If you then in turn say, hey, I'd like to get these graded, can always, you know, submit them and, and then get them slapped. So if you want, and, and that might even be sort of the fun aspect is to, you know, try to pick out, uh, you know, the best raw copy you can with, with your eyes at a show or a selling platform. And then in turn, you know, kind of grade yourself with like, how did I do here when I did submit it and, and what grade did I get back? Or you can do sort of what we kind of do is we buy uh, cards uh, graded, kind of say sort of that that process too. There's really no wrong way to do it, uh, if you ask me. And then the other thing is, uh, like anything else, this doesn't just apply to vintage, but it definitely applies to vintage, is, is shop around. you got so many selling platforms from, from going to shows, uh, the in-person transactions to all the selling platforms we're, we're all aware of, you know, uh, eBay, the Comp C's, my slabs for, for, for graded cards, which is where I picked up some of my, my recent Hall of Fame rookies and, uh, you know, and, and other platforms. I'm, you know, I'm sure I'm leaving uh, someone out uh, unintentionally. And so um, even sport lots for your for raw vintage cards, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't, you know, grading, you know, what shape they're in is, I guess is up for debate, but even on that site, they, they do post pictures of, of cards as well. So you at least get sort of a, a visual scan on, on some of them. So there's, there's, you know, there's plenty of avenues to find it uh, and, and at different price levels for whatever uh, you're, you know, speaking of budget of your show, but whatever your budget level uh, is and, and that budget level can always change, you know, like if you're buying raw specimens, if you will, and then you want to get them slab, you know, slabbing is going to cost you, but maybe at that time it's something you can budget for and then turn the, you know, your raw collection into a, a graded collection. So there's just so many, uh, you know, avenues and different routes to, to take. And that's the fun of it, Mike, as you well know, is the, you know, there's no wrong way really to do it. Uh, you know, as long as you, you, you know, do a little homework. And I mean, everyone's fear is, you know, get ripped off or like you said, duped or, or maybe taken advantage of. And, uh, you know, there's, but there's plenty of guys like you, me, and, and many others that uh, I know you get questions. I get questions that I'm more than, and I know I speak for you, uh, we're more than happy to help someone or, or steer someone uh, in the right direction or answer a question, uh, you know, uh, at least uh, give our, our kind of two cents or opinion just on, just from the experience we have to, to help someone out. So there's no shortage. If someone's a little unsure, there's, there's, there's plenty of good people out there that can, can help you as well. And, 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 you know, use those folks, utilize them uh, if need be. Yeah. You know, I've, it's funny. I, I think I have a PhD in the school of hard, from the school of hard knocks. Right. And there's no, um, in our hobby today, it's like the quick buck, the quick, this, the, you know, there's all this money changing hands and all these trades and all this uh, vintage is the slow game. It's the long game. It's the slow burn. And that's critical for someone getting into vintage to understand. I've been in the hobby 40 years Everybody, people look at my collection. They go, man, I'd love to have something like that. And 
I, I look, I take that as a compliment and thank you. At the same time, it took me 40 years to get here. It's not like I just woke up one day and had all these cards. It, it's, uh, and this isn't meant to be discouraging. It's meant to be realistic. Um, I've been doing slabs and, and really hardcore into vintage for over a decade. It's 10 years or 11 years. So it doesn't happen overnight. Do not expect it to happen overnight, but that's the joy of it. That's the great yeah. part about it. You mentioned diversity and there's, uh, I've done a whole episode on how many different projects you can, you could do like you're doing John with hall of fame rookies. You can do just your favorite player, your favorite team, your favorite set yep. raw graded. You can do, I, I did a set cause I thought it was cool. A cool idea of last card of every hall of famer, you know, because I thought, man, that's neat. You get all their stats on the back on their tops card. Yeah. You get weird uniforms that they might be in you know, as they're playing out the string on their career. Those types of just whatever you like. You, like even seeing even seeing how they age, you know, what they look yeah. like from knowing, you know, them as a younger player. And you know, it's it's interesting always to see uh, even that aspect of it, you know. So I, I think that the vintage game is way more diverse than the modern game at least in baseball. And so yeah. even with all the products that are out there, the tops puts out and Panini puts out for baseball, I still think vintage has so many different ways you can do it, that it makes it so diverse that anybody that loves cards and loves the history can enjoy vintage. And the other tip I would give to somebody or a tip I would give to some, not the only one, but, obviously do your homework. And when I say that, I don't just mean learning about the cards, learn about the players, learn about the stories. There's, there's a mythology to baseball that's unique that is not carried over to other sports in the same way that it's carried to baseball. There are numbers and stats and games and world series and things that are just, again, mythological in this game. And if you take the time to go learn it, if you're interested in that, you shouldn't just buy vintage because you're going to make money. I think that's a, yeah. I think that's a that's a dangerous game to play. Period. Uh, in the vintage game, it's not that you're going to get burned necessarily. It's that if that's your end game, that's seems very empty to me. Um, it's so much richer if you'll let it be vintage yeah. and the stories and everything. And I mean, think about the things like you talking about with your dad and having memories of players and you'll want to get a Joe DiMaggio card, not because you ever saw him, but because yeah. your dad still told you stories and you have a connection with that. That is special. Yeah. And you know, there's just, again, so many ways to skin the cat in the vintage. Yeah. And even, even the cards themselves, Mike, you know, when you, when you, I know you started you know, doing uh, hall of fame rookies. What have you picked up so far? Well, I, I had some, so I, I I mean, full disclosure, I had a not a huge head start, but I did have probably, including all sports, including like football and basketball, I probably had like 20 already that I sort of had kind of listed for sale or somewhat listed for sale, and I just pulled those out and pulled those off if they were listed somewhere. I, I deleted the the listing, and I'm, I'm keeping uh, – um, what do they call them? A car, a card, uh, clubhouse box. They slide in. They got individual yep. slats. Now I have a display behind me that holds uh, PSA slabs. So some of my better ones will make will make that. I have another one 
on that wall over there. So some will be displayed. Some are on my desk and stand. So they're, you know, uh, the ones that can't make either the displays or the stands will be in that, that, uh, you know, card house box. And, uh, you know, so I, I took what I sort of had already, uh, and, and put them into that card house box. I added, uh, um, you know, I kind of went after some uh, guys I sort of had an affinity to, uh, you know, Mike Schmidt, I, uh, you know, Yaz was, even being a New York City kid, I was a huge Kari Stremski fan, uh, so I got a, a, a nice Yaz, PSA 5, I got, a, I think the Schmidt is a, a 4, I got a Brett, which was a 6, and uh, my next one that's high up on my list, and uh, I print it out, like, all, so as I get them, I cross them out, so I know what I have and, and what I don't, and so the next one that's sort of high on my list is a uh, I was always a big Harmon Killebrew uh, as a younger kid guy. Um, you know, that was the one thing, you know, to pat myself on the back. Even being a New York City kid and originally a Yankee fan, then later on into a Mets fan, I love baseball, period. And so I appreciate all those great, the greatness of those players and, and what they did. And I actually have a sort of an affinity for guys like Killebrew who didn't do it in like a big city and maybe was sort of, overlooked by the mantles of his day and, and when you look at you know what he did he was sort of overshadowed by mantle but uh, a great player in his own right that just didn't play in the new york so the los angeles or even the Ch chicago and uh, you know he played in uh, minnesota and washington and so uh, i sort of lean that way and um, you know uh, I'm just going to pick them off and, and, and that way. And like you said, it's not, it wouldn't be fun if I was just a, a billionaire and I just went on eBay or whatever platform and just bought everyone that is exists. There's no, what's the, I mean, sure it's fun to own them and, and get them and the mail days and all that part of it. But it's just easy to do that when you're, when you maybe live in that stratosphere, which I don't obviously, but you know, it, it's going to be fun sort of, Hey, which one do I go after next? Right. Just even, I'm sure you've had those same, you know, decisions in your oh, own yeah. mind. Hey, which direction? Maybe even I almost have like a vote in here. Hey, I, I'm getting one of these two. Who's it going to be right now? And then, you know, I'll have to put the other one, whether it's a week from now, two weeks from now, a month from now, whatever that budget entails. But which one do I want right now? And some of that might be. You know, not even just affinity towards the player or the career, but like even, so, you know, I know we don't talk financials, but sometimes I'm sure that's, uh, you know, comes into play like, hey, this one is, you know, has a chance it may move in price where this one probably going to be there at that same level when I get to it. So maybe I should get this one now and then come back on, on the back nine and, and grab that one. And so that's that, that's the fun things is, is how – you, you build this thing and, and how you do it. And, and you know, uh, sometimes, as you well know, it's maybe just you, you're not look you know, it's not the first card on your list, but you go to a show and you're walking around and you see a great deal on a, on a card that's on the list, maybe not at the top of your list. And you're like, hey, it's time to grab that. That's a, that's kind of a steal. And that's fun, too. Happens yeah, all that's, the time. That's the fun parts, like a movie twist, right? You know, plot twist. You didn't see that one sort of coming, but there it is, and you're taking it home and and adding it uh, to the collection, to the project. And so that's the fun of doing something like that. Is even though you might have a game plan or a plan of attack, so to speak, 
you can you can go off of it or something just happens like that and and you are off of it and you get you know you plan on getting two cards off your list and you take home three or four that way and uh, you're like hey that's a good day at the card show you know I, I went in to get two and I'm leaving with, with twice as many and it didn't cost me much more than I sort of budgeted for per se because two were really great deals in this case and so that's that's the fun and and you know you can just go in different ways i'm kind of i'm focusing on baseball but I, i've got my football list i've got even uh, a basketball list and, and a few hockey uh you know especially on the ranger side of things which i'm a, I'm a huge ranger fan so it's any way you want to do it there's really no wrong way and every to each their own and uh you know that's just something I decided to do, and um, I'm, I'm having fun with it. And I kind of, you know, I bought a couple, like I said, the Schmidt, the Brett, the Yaz. I had a couple more on my watch list. And then knowing I was, you know, when I knew I was go, definitely going to the National, I said, you know what, I'm going to actually slow down my buying here and just kind of bank that money and just bring it with me. And what better, you know, it's, it's more for, to me, and I've said this on my show, I don't know about you, I enjoy buying a card in person more than I do online. Uh, it's you know, a memory. And, yeah. It's a memory. And, and I know people, you know, people say, ah, oh, the mail day, the anticipation of opening mail, you don't get that in person. And, and I get that, but that in person talking to the, the seller and, and, you know, maybe bartering with them. And I've been on both. I'm, I set up a chose to myself. So I've been, I, I'm on both sides of that table, but there's something about that social interaction you get. And, uh, you know, the, sometimes you get the story from the dealer, Hey, how I acquired this card. And, you know, like you said, the stories that, uh, uh go along with the, the acquisition and, uh, so I, I said to myself, at this point, if you know you're going to national, you know, just kind of hit pause on, on the online purchases and, and go to national and see what you you can, you know, use that money, at the put that in the national budget money. And uh, so that's what I did. And, you know, I don't know if you want to segue, but then kind of talking to you before we, you know, went live here, I didn't realize how the market, you know, I, I mentioned market correction to you. And speaking of correction, you corrected me and said, John, we're, we're in a market uh, uh, crash. And uh, I didn't think so. And then you pulled up a graphic and, and showed me some stuff of where cards were at peak and, and where they are now and, and the percentages. And and you're right. And, and because of that pause where I wasn't really paying that attention, uh, you know, I, I say this all the time on my show. I don't know everything. It's just the, the, everything changes uh, you, I, I said this on my show. If you take a week off, you, you're gonna, you're gonna have to catch up. And and so I had no idea until talking to you tonight that that was going on. I knew it was going on in the modern day. I actually thought the vintage would be a little bit more, you Resistant. know, if you want to call yeah. yeah to to that. Yet we see. Uh, I learned it's not through through you. And so, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad. You know, and going to the national and what, saving that money, I don't know. Maybe it's good to maybe I'll get stuff cheap. I, I guess that's a question. I know what you're showing. I'm turning a, a question around on you. Do you. How do you how do you think, you know, the, the dealers, do you think they're, you know what I mean? Are they still going to try to price it sort of not at those levels? I mean, it's a big show and there's going to be a lot of people there. Or do you think, you know, in other words, is it going to be a, a tug of war where 
you know, consumers, the buyers, people like us say, hey, this is what it's going for. I'm, you know, this is what I can pay or around it. And, uh, you know, is it going to be sort of who blinks first type of deal? Well, two things. Number one, if you'd have just listened to my podcast, you would know that I did that I did the episode usually, last week about the crash. It's usually I'm usually pretty good, Mike, in my defense. <laughs> but sometimes we both come out sometimes on fr- on Fridays, and so and sometimes don't feel bad. I don't even like I always listen to my show at some point yeah. on Friday just to see any sound issues or anything like that. And uh, I didn't even, that Friday, I'm not just saying this, that Friday I don't even believe I listened to my own episode, so uh, in, in my defense, but it's going to be listened to, I promise, tomorrow. And I'll, I I'll, write on the, I'll write on a piece of paper, I will not not listen to <laughs> Golden Age of Cardboard on release date. So, honor times. But but uh, I'm, and I'm definitely, you know, when talking to you tonight and, and learning some of that stuff, I'm definitely want to hear uh, that episode. But uh, you know, you know, with you know, with the net, I mean, how do you think this plays out as far as buying opportunities? I think it's going to be great for buyers, and I, most sellers nowadays, and maybe you saw this a little bit at the Dallas show, they're pretty on top of what. reasonable comps are. And most of them understand that most card buyers are pretty savvy too. We're not just going to come and pay whatever price is there because that's what they stuck on it. We're doing our homework. They're doing their homework. And I think because of that, you get a lot more uh, malleability of prices where it can be, hey, look, he's got X price. You want to pay some amount less. And you can make a, again, I didn't pay sticker price for anything at da- in Dallas. And I don't at any show, if I can, I, I just walk away because even in the vintage market, it's there is real scarcity versus perceived scarcity or manufactured scarcity like there is in the modern card world. In vintage, there is real scarcity, but at the same time, they're not all one of ones. And at the national, you can walk down the, the aisle and you'll see three more. I mean, I remember and I've told this story countless times, but it applies here. When I bought my Hank Aaron rookie, I, lo- I looked at a hundred of them, you know, before I bought one and I had a friend with me and we were looking at them together. I was, you know, not just trying to make an emotional decision about anything and price and all of these facts. How does the card look? All these things. There were plenty of them to choose from. And so that's true of most every vintage card. There are obviously exceptions to that, no doubt. But the reality is if you're buying a Harmon Killebrew rookie, for example, if that's kind of a card on your radar for for Chicago, you're going to have no problem finding plenty yeah. of the entire spectrum of Harmon Killebrew rookies from PSA 1s to PSA 9s. And not, you know, you'll be able to, you'll have plenty of opportunity to buy that card. And if somebody's not willing to deal, say thank you. You know, make a note of where that table was just in case there isn't another one that you want. But you, you'll you be able to find another one. And, and, you know, I've gone, I've played dealers against each other. I'll see a card at a table that I kind of like a little better than the other one. But I'll say, hey, this other guy's got a PSA yeah. exact grade for $200 less. I'll, I'll pay you that, but I'm not going to pay you. I'll just go over there. And sometimes they say, well, then go over there. And yeah. sometimes they say, no, I'll do the deal. 
I'm okay yeah. either way. I'm either going to buy his for $200 less or I'm going to walk down to the other table and buy that yeah, one. You know, you know what price you're getting for because it's the lower the right. lower two. And, and as a dealer more. too, Mike, I've had that situation, you know, and then as a dealer, I have a decision, right? If I, number one, if I believe that person's uh, being honest about it, I mean, that's a factor too. And then you got to decide, you know, do I want it, you know, you know, I don't want to say lose a sale, but do you want to make the sale? Or do you want to give that sale up to, you know, someone else potentially? And, you know, I guess it depends. I just wonder if dealers, especially on the vintage side of the house, Mike, are going to say, you know, this is sort of temporary. Maybe I'll, I won't put certain things out. I, I'm just going to wait. Uh, you know, I have this stuff, but I'm, you know, I'm not even, maybe I don't even bring it or maybe it just stays in that shoe box and I, I don't want to sell it for what it's at right now, but I believe what it's at right now is going to rebound back up. And so for me to sell it now, I, I rather not, I'm just not going to put it out. I'll sell all the other stuff or whatever else I want to still put I think out. I, I agree with you that there will be some dealers that probably do that. What I'm afraid of that we're going to see, and this will really be disappointing is dealers that are stuck in, their cards for let's say they bought some vintage throughout the peak period you know those few yeah. months of february march and april where cards were just going nuts and now they're down 50 percent, let's say on a certain card just on you know value in terms of just recent sales and comps and they're going look i i'm just going to use let's say it's 500 card and it's really selling they bought it for 500 it's selling for 250 they're going to have it in their showcase for like 550 just to make something. And they're going to say, look, I'm already into it for that. I hear that all the, I'm into it for more than that. I'm sorry. I can't. And, I, and my answer to that is it's not my problem that you're into it for that. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I, you know, I'm willing to give you green dollar bills for a piece of cardboard. You can take it or not. And if they say no, I walk away. That's fine. But, I, I think we're going to see a lot of dealers saying I'm already into this card for this amount. What you're asking for is too much of a haircut. I can't lose that much on this card. And, and it's a shame. And I'm, as a dealer, Mike, let me, let me kind of give my take on that. Cause I've done something along those lines. So if I have a card like that, that I've, I know what I paid and Hey, you, you know, you, you, the market changes or I made a bad decision. Some of it's on you too. It's not always the market. And so now, you know, you it's a card I bought for 200 bucks uh, with the hope, you know, uh, I'm going to sell it for four. That's where the market's at. I bought it off. Someone's selling it. But then the market drops to where it's, it's selling for 200. I'm not, you know, to me, I don't like to not put stuff out. That's sort of, uh, I, I try not to, but that's, I, I probably wouldn't, if, I either do one of two things. I put it out there and sell it for 200 or even a little bit less. So either break even or lose a little bit and, and sell it, or I won't put it out. But I never, I make a point, I've never tell someone, hey, I'm, I'm into it too much and I got to get that. That, that does, to me, it doesn't work. And, and Have you heard you know, that before? You've heard that before, I'm sure. From As a buyer, as a consumer? Yes, as yeah. A buyer. Yeah. And I, I just say, like you said, you kind of summed it up for me. Like that's, that's, has nothing really to do with me. That's your, right. your own transaction. Like, you know, you have a, to me, when, when I've been in that situation as a dealer, I have a choice. I can either sell it at a break even or slight loss, 
or I don't if I think it's going to rebound, you know, not everything's going to always go back up again. So you, you know, you got to decide, like, you know, put out, I, I'm not going to give anyone a sob story that I hate to say it like that, but Hey, I no, paid, for, right. I know that I know they're selling for 200. I paid 400, a uh, bad, bad deal by me. And I want you to get me out of this bad deal and overpay for the car. That's really what you're saying. And who's going to do that? Especially in, in, today's day and age with online everyone's got their phone out they know where they can hit buy it now whether it be ebay or somewhere else and so if i'm either gonna sell that card at at either that loss or break even or i'm just not gonna i'm gonna that's gonna stay in my box and i'm either gonna forget about it or hope it rebounds to the point i can throw it out there but i'm not gonna insult someone's intelligence and say hey i, I know the the market rate is 200 but since I paid four hundred, will you pay three hundred or three fifty or you know, like yeah, I just I'm I'm not gonna have that conversation. It that it doesn't speak well of me, and you're almost insulting someone until you're you're asking someone to pay more than what they can get it for. And you know, I don't know if my own son would would buy that off of me under those terms. So, so why would I ask someone I don't know as well? You know, that's yeah. just. I don't know. That's just how I've I've been in that situation. We've all, you know, as dealers and and someone does show, we've all bought something that doesn't uh, always keep going up where it goes down. And uh, I'm not I'm I'm not gonna, you know. Then you have that decision to make. Just put it out there, uh, you know, for you know maybe a little bit higher, knowing someone's gonna barter with you, and and you can just you know say, hey, I'll get back what I got into it. And on to the next card, you know, next collection I buy or whatever. Yeah, I don't know why be. dealers, why do dealers feel like they're entitled to make money on every transaction? Yeah, There's no it, guarantee on any of this. So, nope. you know, and then I have this funny story. I had a, I was at the National in Chicago last last time. The last yep. National, sadly, was in Chicago also. And I had a card that I wanted to buy. I can't remember what it was. It's not important. And I showed the guy literally a buy it now for half of what he had it for. And I really wanted the card. And I said, look, I'll, I'll pay you this. I could go buy one right now. And he said, no. And we had a conversation. I said, but it's right here. And, and so I, right in front of him, I bought that card <laughs> on eBay right in front of the dealer. And I said, look, you just missed out. And yeah. he didn't really care. I just, and I was kind of just being, little sassy because i was pissed that he wouldn't yeah i mean i'm i'm not lying to here I'm i thought you were i thought you were gonna say like he quickly like bought it now on you and said now you know you can't now i have no i bought coming. it right there in front of him yeah. and said all right you missed out sorry i could have yeah. paid you money for cardboard but whatever um and i i'm just not afraid as i feel like as a buyer i really have all the power yeah, because they have the card and they're stuck in this card for whatever they're stuck into it for. If nobody comes along and gives them money to help them continue their business, you know, that's that's on that. I, I can keep my money if nobody wants to sell me cards at prices I want to buy them for. Um, I'm sounding really like harsh, but this no, is just I, reality. It is. It's, it, listen, we work hard for uh, I'm this is you know, someone who sets up at shows and does shows did my first show as a 15 year old, you know, yeah. probably people tired of hearing it. Um, but we all work hard for, for my, I don't do shows full time. I have a job. So, you know, as a consumer, I, I see both sides of it, but, uh, 
you, you, you can't expect someone to pay more to you than they can get it for. I mean, that's sort of a nervy, ballsy way to think. Like, you know, who's going to like, hey, you're such a nice guy. I'm going to give you $100 more than I have to. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, why would you? Who would do that? Well, you're better off giving $100, you know, buy the card for what you can get if you're that generous. Donate hundred dollars to a charity, or you you know, make a wish, or, or you know what I mean. That that yeah. uh, you know that sort of thing. So, um, I, you know, I, I I've done it long enough to know either you're gonna you gotta put your cards out at sort of where the market's at, or don't put it out there and get into that catch twenty two where you there's no way you come out of that looking good. You know, you're when you're asking someone to pay over market price and you're telling them, hey, I, I got this much into it. They, that's they don't. They, that, what does that have to do with them? That, you know, yeah. I, if I if someone's if a dealer said that to me, I said that's great. But I mean, I had nothing to do with that. That was your deal, you know. And there are people Sorry. that might pay their price because they don't do the homework. But yeah, a part, a part of being a good tip for being a vintage guy, if you're getting into vintage, is do your bloody homework. Know yeah. what if you're targeting certain cards, like you need to know in kind of the grade range that you're looking at, what Killebrews are going for by the time, you know, it'll change a lot between now and the national, but yeah. a few days before you need to go get reasonable comps so that you have an idea plus or minus a little bit, depending on the eye appeal of the card. It's more than just the grade, right? Yeah. It's more than that, yeah. but you get my point. Um, speaking of the national, John, are you pretty excited? I am, you know, it was it was funny. I wasn't sure I was I was gonna go. Sort of fifty fifty. I want to go to Vegas uh, in September for the the industry summit. I, as you know, I was just in Dallas. So I'm like, you know, all these, you know, I'm like uh, the movie there with all the formulas and calculation. Like, can I pull these uh, three trips off? Like, can I make this, you know, work and uh, you know, the, the, I, I I don't know if you knew this. I think I told you the Dallas trip kind of came about when the Chicago National was sort of looking iffy, sure, iffy. Sure. And like uh, you know, you said, Brad said, you know, Uncle Rich Klein's like, hey, the actual ain't happening. We're we're doing this Dallas show. Come on down for that. At least you get, you know what I mean. You get the experience. So I booked that trip and that whole thing, kind of thinking the National wasn't going to happen. I mean, not that I wasn't rooting against it, but you sort of got to weigh your, you know, your options. Hey, this is not right now. All the indications are they might change the date. So if they, you know, I took time off, then they change the date. I'm probably not going to be able to swing the new date. Like it's got to be either a, a go or, or, or probably not going to happen. So I did the Dallas thing, which I had a great time. Got to go to your house, which again, uh, probably one of the pinnacles and, and, and then, you know, we got sort of the news started to trickle out that uh, things were trending good and the national was going to be a full goal. And, and so I thought about it, like, can we do it? And, you know, I'm a realist, you know, I knew if I didn't sort of go, I would be here in Syracuse, like sort of kicking myself or like being jealous uh, of you and everyone else that's there. And I'm like, you know, I said, all right, let me, I like to do my like, hotel and airfare kind of combos on i use expedia a lot uh and uh, but those sort of uh, orbits travelocity and and I'll, I'll use different ones depending on which gives you the best deal and i, I had sort of a an amount i i could kind of budget to just for 
a hotel and, and airfare. And uh, I actually got a underneath what the, the, you know, what I kind of uh, targeted and I said, man, you know, and you, and it was at the point, as you know, like hotels are drying up, like rooms are, are you know, you're going to have to stay, stay further away now. And then those further away places are not going to have shuttles. And so now you got to factor in Uber or Lyft or rent a car. And, uh, the, you know, now your uh, itinerary starts costing more. And so, uh, matter of fact, the hotel I wound up with, it was uh, at least they were saying it was the last room they had. And I'm like, you better you're either doing this or you're not doing it. So, right. you know, I pulled the trigger and I knew, you know, you got to kind of go. I hate to say it like that. I know a lot of people, unfortunately, aren't going to be able to go with, for financials. And, and I, you know, I'm, sens I'm sensitive to that. I'm not doing a na 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 boo boo thing. But, I also knew like I'd want to be there, and if I didn't go, I'd sort of be like, "Why didn't you do it when you had the chance?" kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, now now the question becomes, you know, can I do can I do Vegas? You know, I've got it's almost like the triple crown, right? You know what I mean, the legs. So uh, I pulled off the first two, and uh, can I can I pull off Vegas too? I I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'll have worry you, about that. We, have yeah, you been ahead. to the summit before? No, I've never been. I'm a, you know, as crazy as it sounds, Chicago. I'm a New York City kid. Um, Chicago is the furthest west I've been uh, in in the United States. Now I've been to other countries like Belize. I don't know where how west they are in the hemisphere. Uh, Mexico, Rotan, Honduras. But in the states, wise, the furthest west I've ever been is is Chicago three or four times. But I've never been. Oh, or Dallas. I don't know what's which is now Dallas. I don't know which one. Now Dallas. It's now All Dallas. Right, so, all right. So Dallas is the furthest west uh, I've been, and so if I do get to go to Vegas, obviously that'll take the the, the further west uh, uh, belt. Uh, and if still, when it occurs, even technically, you came to Fort Worth, and they say Fort Worth is where the west begins. That's the yeah. That's the, the theme line. for our city here. So. Uh, yeah. Man, so as we wrap up here, John, great conversation with you. I love just talking. Yeah. You and I can talk. We've learned. We don't need a script. We didn't throw we the really script out. We could talk for hours and hours, and we have so much in common, which I tell people all the time. If you look hard enough, you're going to find something in common with people in this hobby, no matter what they collect. You got to be open-minded, and I promise you, you will find some common ground with everyone and even though, I mean, look at this, a, a Cowboys fan and a Steelers fan are having a conversation. Right. That's pretty terrific. But tell everybody where they can find you, John, uh, out there in social media world and how they can uh, look you up. I'll, I'll, I'll make it simple and I'll, I'll save a little time. Uh, you know, if you Google Sports Card Nation pod and you want to throw the podcast on the end of that, it's all individual words, Sports Card Nation podcast. Uh, all our stuff usually pops up right on the top, especially especially if you use Google. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the podcast itself uh, is on all major platforms. So whatever whatever your weapon of choice is to, to listen to your podcast uh, that you like, uh, we're on there. Uh, Fridays, uh, along with you, we come out with uh, Sports Car Nation, uh, which is an interview guest uh, show, usually about an hour to an hour and a half long. That's every Friday. And on Monday, we do a shorter version called Hobby Quick Hits, which is 10 to 25 minutes. It's me 
one topic, just kind of boom, bang, uh, you know, in and out as fast as I can. And uh, that's on Monday. So kind of start the week, end the week, Monday, Friday, Monday, shorter, kind of easy in, uh, less of me uh, to consume. And then Friday, uh, always with a guest, uh, you've been uh, uh, gracious enough to come on and uh, we'll have you obviously on. Won't be the only time. And, uh, you know, I always say with, with the Friday show, less of me and uh, more of the guest uh, is the recipe. So <laughs> and then you're part of Hobby Hotline. On uh, YouTube, yeah. You know, there's yeah, all yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, this is is overkill of of John Newman. I think uh, Saturday <laughs> Saturday mornings, uh, 11, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern. Hobby uh, Hotline, which is a conglomerate of of all different content creators. It's really a fun show to do. We all kind of take turns, so we're all on about once a month. So I'm on like once a month. The other guys are on it once a month, and uh, Saturday morning we people can call in, kind of come on the screen. Doctor Beckett comes on once a month. Brian Gray will come on uh, about once a month, and uh, it's a great, uh, you know, a lot of fun. And, and the people we meet and talk to, and you know, having Doctor Beckett obviously on, and, and Brian on is a, you know, it's kind of you know, let's be real, it's pretty fun, and uh, uh, got to know them better, and. Uh, you know, and, and as you said, uh, you know, we're going to be kicking out a lot of pressure on us. We're kicking off uh, that show's kicking off Hobby Palooza uh, on, on, I believe, July 10th. And uh, that's right. You know, you're the Ricky Henderson we, of Hobby Palooza. <laughs> Let's hope we hit a leadoff home run. And, right. and uh, you know, ra rather than the walk, even though a walk's not the worst thing in the world. But, uh, you know, we, we're going to stick to the, you know, I told everyone, we got a lot of people like to talk, myself included. I'm like, 60 minutes, guys. We got to be hard to the, the 60 minutes, you know. So, uh, like the show, 60 minutes. So, um, right. but we'll, we'll do it. No one, no one, the parameters, we'll, we'll get it done. And uh, it's going to be fun. I think what we'll do that week, the little, you know, uh, is I, I didn't want, you know, we have about 10 different people involved uh, with that show, and and it's a big thing to be asked to do that, be part of Hobby Palooza. I didn't want to just have three or four guys on and have to tell six people, hey, you know, it's not your week. And uh, so, you know, you can have 10 guys on the screen, uh, 10 people on the screen. So I, we're going to open it up to all our, our hosts that can be there. I believe Dr. Beckett, I talked to him today. I don't want to speak for him yet officially, but – I believe he's going to be one of those uh, gentlemen you'll see uh, in the screen. That, that'd be nice to, to you know, have him be involved uh, the start. Uh, I know he's going to be involved too uh, in other facets, but so and the thing is getting 10 of us on the screen, we're going to definitely have to coordinate. Hey, now let's not talk over each other and uh, maybe limit answers to 30, 45 seconds. And, you know, it's stuff we can all work out. That's, that's the fun of it is getting, getting all the parameters worked out, but uh, uh, we're honored to do it. Uh, we're privileged to do it. And uh, we thank you guys for, for uh, inviting us and asking us, and uh, we're going to hopefully do it justice. You will. It'll be great. And uh, again, looking forward to that July 10th and 11th hobby Palooza, getting yeah. everybody jazzed up for the national, just getting to know a bunch of other people on YouTube that you may have not heard of before. It's just a great event. Did it last year for the first time and looking forward to year two of that. So, man, John, thanks for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, this is fun. I, now when I see you at the National, we'll probably just see each other and like just look at each other. We won't have anything to yeah, talk I'm like, about. What's up? No, well, I'm <laughs> talking about. And 
there better be <laughs> some, you know, frosty cold beverage, you know. Yeah, yeah, we can buy each other, uh, be buy each other, take turns buying one of those, and uh, there you, uh, go. you know, kind of compare notes. What did you get, and did, how did I do? So uh, yes, that'll be that's, great. That's, that's that's always fun. So. All right, my friend. Well, thanks again. And thanks everybody out there for listening and watching. If you're on YouTube, really appreciate it. Go check out John at Sports Card Nation. Uh, he does a lot of great interviews. I love all the hobby news and everything he puts at the beginning of the show. It's really well done. So congrats to you, John, for all your success. And we'll catch you guys soon. So all right. See you next week. Keep collecting. All right, I'm going to go listen.